This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Kristen Hansor speaks with Roger McClendon, Executive Director of the Green Sports Alliance. Roger, thank you so much for joining us today on the Impact Report. I just wanted to start by asking Kristen a little bit about her background and connection to the Green Sports Alliance. I've worked in a variety of positions focused on sustainability in the nonprofit, collegiate, and corporate worlds. And as a former college athlete and coach, I've been passionate about the intersection of sports and sustainability for many years. Roger, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today about the role sports can play in the broader sustainability movement. Thank you, Christian. It's an honor to be on the Impact Report, and I really appreciate this time to kind of share our message and the theme of sustainability. So as a quick background before we get started, the Green Sports Alliance is the environmentally focused trade organization that convenes stakeholders from around the sporting world. So this includes teams, leagues, venues, corporate partners, government agencies, athletes, and fans to promote healthy and sustainable communities where we live and play. The Alliance shares resources, experience, and expertise to help mobilize the sports industry, promote sustainable progress, and encourage behavior change. So prior to joining the Alliance last year, Roger was the first ever chief sustainability officer at Yum Brands, whose holdings include Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC restaurants. So to kick things off, Roger, you spent over 14 years at Yum Brands, working in roles from engineering and facilities to food innovation. So I'm curious how and when your interest in sustainability started and how it grew during your time at Yum, and how this led to you becoming the company's first chief sustainability officer. Uh, Great question, Kristen, and and thank you for that introduction. Uh, And again, um, I look back at it and it was actually 20 plus years. It it was an unbelievable second phase of of my career in engineering and uh, I had an unbelievable time working with great leaders like David Novak, um, Emil Broluck, um, some of these these great leaders and mentors. And the interesting thing is that you know, it was no time in my in my planning of my career as I went through that I'd ever thought that I would end up leading the sustainability function that didn't exist at Young Brands. Um, Young Brands, obviously, as folks know. Um, as, they're in over 146 different countries. Uh, when I first joined the company, we had about 20,000 resta- 20, restaurants, and we ended up building and, and creating over 46,000 restaurants by the time I retired. So it was an incredible time. And the story around how I became the first chief sustainability officer is an interesting one. So I, I spent a lot of time working on um, what we call the back of house uh, engineering function, which was around efficiencies and flow um, from labor to um, food quality, product quality. So I had a very a variety of uh, experiences. And what I saw as I was building my brand and building 
um, my career at Yum was a gap in our business. Uh, and I had established myself as a, as a functional expert, but in order to grow um, beyond a functional expert, I saw this gap in the business and brought that to our CEO's attention with a business plan and strategy around what were our obligations as a corporate citizen in context of the triple bottom line to figure out how do we you know, move our business in, in the correct manner? How do we grow in the proper way um, that would be aligned with, with our values? And part of our value system there was to really think about our customer uh, and the community in which we engage. Uh, and that was my first proposal, you know, the last 10 years or so of my career of the chief sustainability officer role defining that. So long answer, but hopefully you got the gist of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's great that you were able to cover so many different positions. And I'm sure that that helped prep you to, to lead an extensive team as the CSO. So then I'm curious from that role as chief sustainability officer of a major global brand, how you first heard about the Green Sports Alliance and why you decided to switch into this pretty niche world of, of green sports. Yeah, you know, as a as an electrical engineering kind of major, you know, graduate, you know, I, my my natural DNA is problem solving, uh, and so that kind of served me well rolling in from young chief sustainability officer in, in looking at, you know, this whole uh, opportunity to have a broader impact in kind of a legacy building um, career, uh, and so that really kind of getting back to my true passion. So as I retired from from Yum. Um, I took on some local opportunities to work with local charities all throughout my career and, and worked um, with a basketball academy called Aspire Basketball Academy. And, you know, my roots are in sports. Um, and so to combine sports, food and sustainability, as I got a call with this opening, I was truly intrigued and engaged to understand more about the Green Sports Alliance. I had an experience back in 2012 when I think I met um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Armory Lovins, who wrote a book called um, Reinventing Fire, the Bold Business Solutions for the New Energy Era. So as I was in my career with Yum, I recognized that sports could play a major role um, as I listened to, you know, the Green Sports Alliance at the time kind of kicking off this vision. So to get back to a passion of mine, which is sports, and combine that with the nexus of, of sustainability is really a dream job. So I just started about a year ago and took on the role and I'm loving it. So it's just basically a, basically a blessing to get back to my roots. And could you expand a little bit on, on your roots? I know you were an athlete back in the day and, and still are. Uh, just a, a bit about what sport you played and, and in what capacity. Yeah, I'm just a couple steps slower and probably don't jump as high, but <laughs> <laughs> I still try to engage uh, just as long as I can beat, you know, my two two sons at, at horse, I'm still there. Um, but no, um, I, I did have an opportunity to be a McDonald's All-American and play at a very high level in, in college and even a little bit of a semi-pro, I would call it. Um, and, you know, just, you know, for the fate and many people fall into the same category, you just not the right timing just missed the, the window of opportunity to maybe take it to a very high level on the profession, professional level. And so I, I channeled that, didn't go overseas and play. I decided to start my engineering career and work in manufacturing and, and kind of learn 
that from the theoretical to the applied engineering in manufacturing. Um, and so, but no, I do have a passion and really appreciate and respect, you know, um, sports. My daughters have played at a high level of college and I have a daughter that plays professionally overseas in volleyball. So kind of that whole gender equity conversation I'm very well and very engaged with, but sports is definitely a passion of mine. It's great when you can figure out a way to pursue it professionally. So uh, that's great to hear. So then for the Green Sports Alliance, if you could just give a sense for the audience about the general goals of the alliance itself and how that fits into this broader global green sports movement. Absolutely. As, in, as you know, Kristen, with your sports background, too, you, you think about the power of sports the power and history of sports to influence and to engage people and to bring people together of all different backgrounds, social economic backgrounds, religious backgrounds, you know, um, racial backgrounds. Uh, and if you think about the history and evolution of some significance in how sports has changed or, and shaped our culture, you just have to think of a couple of examples. You know, one would be John Wooden, you know, one of the all-time winningest college coaches, you know, at UCLA. And there's a story that many may know, but some may not know, is that early on in his career, graduate from Purdue, when he was coaching, he had an opportunity, he had a really good team, and he had an opportunity to be invited to the tournament at the time. And, you know, he had an African-American player on his team, which was pretty um, novel at the time with, you know, segregation uh, in play. And he was invited and he turned down going to the tournament. And it was really difficult, obviously, for the team, but, you know, with his values and leadership, uh, they decided not to go. Uh, and then he got another call the following year, and I think it was two years in a row, if I'm correct, in history, that he turned it down. And then the third time they asked him, they said yes to allowing his players to stay in the same hotels in the same areas and be treated, you know, the same as the rest of the teammates on the team. And so that showed true courage and true leadership from a gentleman that didn't have to take that stand. Uh, and the other leader I like to think about, and this is more on the social side versus the environmental side, but they're related, is um, formerly known as Cassius Clay, but Muhammad Ali. Um, and on the social side, obviously, he gave up a lot to support the civil rights movement and really human rights in general, as he thought and saw the disparities of treatment of, of people around the world. Um, and so those leaders really kind of helped shape and guide me. And I think that's the same opportunity we have with the Green Sports Alliance is to leverage sports in this issue of climate crisis, uh, social and environmental injustice, and to garner, you know, the power through our members and people that have those same value beliefs and make this place, you know, a better place to live and really, you know, make the, the humanity and the earth a better place for, for us to live as well. So that's really the passion of it. And then as you kind of figure out, okay, how are we going to do that? I mean, just think about it. You know, we have the New York Yankees, we've got, we've got the Dallas Cowboys, we got all these teams, we got NHL and ESPN. And I think we do it through some of the athletes that, that have these value systems and stand upon those, those themes, as well as some of the leadership within um, those organizations, you know, corporate uh, kind of uh, leadership, you know, as you think about managing businesses. So, from the sports to the corporate to the universities, um, leveraging those things and, and really driving that leadership throughout um, throughout the communities and throughout, you know, how we think about um, our fans and the folks that support sports. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all seen examples of how important 
how important of a role sports have played in some social movements and now it, it playing a, a bigger role in the environmental movement. And now even companies seeing them step up with using their brand to really stand for certain issues. And so that kind of leads into at the Bard MBA program, we talk a lot about corporate sustainability and we've seen how that movement has grown significantly in the past decade. And so I'd love to have you describe a little bit about what similarities you see with the broader, well-known, pretty robust and mature corporate sustainability movement and how that can collaborate with this green sports movement so they can create greater impact together. Absolutely. A great question. And, you know, we, we know we have, you know, organizations that have been able to create um, ranking and systems and metrics to kind of help determine, you know, who is actually, you know, not only making those public uh, proclamations, you know, and how they're going to lead, but actually backing it up. Um, and so you think about companies like Nike with their move to zero, um, Ikea, you know, Cliff Bar, Ben and Jerry's, Panera, some others. Um, that are really taking, uh, not only taking a stance, but, you know, incorporating that into how they run and operate their business. And the parallels with sports is the same thing. We have leaders like, you know, AEG and John Marler and the folks out there, you know, um, taking the, the stand of this is really important, signing up for the UNFCCC, and then their operations mirror what they, what they stand for. Uh, and from our reporting from the NHL, and Omar and that whole team, you know, um, Commissioner Bettman taking the stand and reporting. Um, so th there's a, a lot of parallels because at the end of the day, um, we're businesses, you know, whether it's for profit, nonprofit, or it's publicly owned or privately owned, um, we operate and engage in a service uh, or a product that we, you know, have customers and then we try to try to survive and, and run our businesses. So I think it's our responsibility as we think about a CSR framework or lens of those businesses. I think the difference between the sports and the corporation, corporate side sometimes is that the, the sports teams are um, sometimes owned, you know, by individuals and it's difficult, you know, depending on, you know, the position of the individual to kind of manage, um, you know, the, the different positions, whether it be political or, you know, social or environmental in this space, how people want to talk about it. Um, and how what position and stance they want to take, and that's where we have to to manage it because we have different members with different positions, and really um, that becomes the challenge. But I think in general, um, those principles we can all stand up for um, from the corporate or the the sports side of it. And what do you feel like the maybe corporate movement can learn from the sports movement, or can capitalize on and and then similarly how you feel that companies can help grow the sports movement yeah i think there's a, a natural collaborative um, relationship um, so when you think about what happens in a, in a sports stadium you have um, you know operations you got food that's that's there and so thinking about how to engage um, fans around that experience and you know big um, organizations like airmark who's a big partner of ours and how do we provide a great customer experience and a fan experience in that case um, so that they'll come back and that supports the business model and they'll be loyal fans and that supports the business model. But at the same time, 
what's our responsibility to figure out, you know, how to price that right, you know, so they could, it's affordable, how to make sure the quality is there and the safety is there from the food side. And then at the end, on the environmental side is that the supply chain and everything that revolves around that process, that there's no waste and that we're efficient and that, you know, the products that we're using, you know, are from a, a sustainable source. Uh, and then there's a healthy and health and wellness aspect to that too. So I think it all is integrated together and through that relationship, you can grow business together. You could um, promote um, the right behaviors and the right um, type of uh, engagement that you want to have with your fans. So I think that's a, just an example of how corporates can work with um, sports, you know, groups. Yeah. And there are, so many opportunities, as, as we both know, for the two groups to work together, and we're definitely starting to see it more. And so I'm thinking that there are probably several people listening to the podcast who are in the corporate sustainability space and might be interested in getting involved in the green sports movement in whatever industry they might might be in. So do you have any advice for corporate sustainability professionals and, and how they could get more involved in the green sports movement? Absolutely. We have um, symposiums and um, a couple or, you know, two or three throughout the year through different regions. Uh, and then we have our summit. Our annual summit is June 17th, I believe, through the 18th, 19th timeframe in Minneapolis, Minnesota this year. And it allows us to come together and have, you know, key themes around you know, uh, what are the trends that are happening in the space of sustainability, networking opportunities, uh, and, and engagement in some of the challenges around our, what we call our seven verticals, which are around food, waste, energy, transportation, uh, the venues themselves. And a lot of times, especially with innovation, because I think that's a key when we think of the, the model of the triple bottom line is that, you know, we're not saying that you can't drive and make a profit, you know, and that you have to spend more money. We're saying that um, to get to that planet, you know, in an environmental focus. But if you think about leveraging technology and innovation, uh, a lot of times you can, you know, keep that triple bottom line alive by leveraging that. So the, that, I think that's really important for sustainability managers to have the right language and to have the right approach to be able to engage because you do have to run your business. But through that lens of benchmarking, networking, learning best practices, applications, and applying technology in the right way, I think you can drive a lot of wins. And so we look forward to having that engagement. And for maybe some of the people listening who are just a big sports fan and want to figure out what they can do as an individual, maybe things they can ask of their teams or what they might should be looking for when they go to games how can individuals who are interested in sustainability also get involved and support the movement yeah i think you know individuals have a lot of power especially when they bring that power in a collective way and we saw that with greta um in in new york and and so i think that that power of the individual you know focusing in on what they can do obviously they can engage um, through social media and let folks know how they feel. Um, they could support being a volunteer in efforts around greening and greening events and greening spaces um, like college football playoffs, working with, with ESPN as, a, as one of the production um, um, leaders in this space to their corporate citizenship um, group. I think those are opportunities for each and every individual to, to change their own behaviors, but also let 
folks know by using your dollar and your voice on what you think is important. So I think that's that's huge. Yeah, it's great. There's definitely opportunities and we're always looking for more people to to join in. So one quick question back on the on the company piece. I know you've mentioned that the Green Sports Alliance works with ESPN and has been working with the college football playoffs. I'm curious if there are a couple of other examples that you can share just to give a little bit of color of how a company and a sports team or a sports league could create a project together or work on an event together on a social or sustainability topic. Yeah, I think there's two areas that are two, you know, kind of um, directions they can have. One is on a micro and the other is on the macro. And I'll talk about the micro first, and it relates more to their operations and what they do every day. So um, the opportunity is to you really understand your business, and this is what we did at Young. And so it's creating baselines and understanding your true impacts, um, how much energy you use, how much water do you use, um, you know, what processes do you use, what, who are you buying from your vendors and your supply chain. So you really want to map those things out and create a baseline and understand what your true impact is to run your business. And then you can overlay, you know, a concept of efficiencies and what things you can do with investments or changing your processes to become more efficient in that. Um, and I think that's where some of the insights come in. And that's where some of the opportunities to engage with the Green Sports Alliance lies, because we do have a lot of those case studies. We do have the ability to come in and help you, you know, make those uh, initial assessments. And I think at the macro level, and, and that's just, you know, purely operational focus and but at the next level, um, it becomes more macro. And when you think about, well, how can I create incentive and fan engagement programs that can actually help beyond the lines or beyond what's inside the field or the stadium to kind of have a bigger impact. Um, and that could be incentive programs or you know, social engagement opportunities to recognize what fans are doing or community engagement programs that don't just talk about the philanthropic side of what you can do, but engage in an environmental component to that. Um, and then at the highest level, I think it's things like the UNF Triple C, where you're actually, or the climate group and what happens in New York is really aligning with corporations in your supply chain um, for positioning, you know, and having a voice of what you think is the right direction from a leadership perspective. So, and that has to be aligned all the way up through the organization because you're speaking on behalf of the organization. And we've had some teams like the New York Yankees. Uh, we've had AEG and, and the Portland Trailblazers, um, the Sound of Seattle Sounders, and, and others, I'm probably missing a few, that have um, stood up and, and taken on that leadership opportunity, a leadership role from stadiums like U.S. Bank Arena, which is a lead platinum, and they just recently recertified to get the platinum to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where Arthur Blank invested, you know, a ton more money to get to that lead platinum status, and you can still buy, I think, a uh, a $2 hot dog and, you know, $3, I think it's $3 um, bottle of water, which is unbelievable in, in this day and age in a, in, a, in a venue like that where you have a captured audience. Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. So as we start to wrap up a bit and in terms of time, I just wanted to ask a bit of a broader question as you're just about to reach a full year as executive director 
of the Alliance. And it would be great to hear a bit about what you've learned from your first year and what some of your top priorities are now going into 2020. Great question. Um, so uh, the first thing that I wanted to do is really engage my board um, first and foremost and really help listen to them as one of our key stakeholders. So it was a listening tour basically is what I started out to understand from not only our board members, but getting down to our leagues and our league representatives as far as being part of the GSA, um, all the way to our clubs, um, to our corporate members uh, and universities and colleges. Uh, to the staff so that listening tour was to understand you know kind of a SWOT analysis what are our strengths you know weakness opportunities and threats uh, and then really to hear from them as a as you know a member what can we do better what do you appreciate about us and what can we do better and then taking that and bringing it back to the team and to the board and really restructuring and refocusing on what we're going to do and what we're going to be so the first decade of work we're coming up on 10 years as an organization won't be the same decade of work. We, we definitely have to, um, you know, up our game, so to speak. We've got our, you know, game on the future of sports and sustainability is kind of our, our next kind of horizon under the framework of playing for the next generation. So, um, so given that we, we, we have those learnings, as I went to the listening tour, the first and most important thing is building the capability of our team. So I'm proud to say that we brought this, this um, but unbelievable, you know, very experienced, knowledgeable person to come help lead in that effort. And then Kristen, and I think she's on the other end of this line. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you could, so you could announce that you, you know, you're officially a part of the Green Sports Alliance team. And, um, you know, thank you, Climate Group, for allowing us to have Kristen. If you're listening, um, you know, she's awesome. And I think it's only going to expand the opportunity to work together and have a bigger impact. Um, so, that, that's kind of the foremost thing. And then setting the vision and the mission and then aligning that across the spectrum of our membership um, is kind of the, the focus that we're going to have this year. Um, and we're going to get to that grassroots of where we're doing in action, meaning the macro, the micro, which is mean the greening events and on the ground and making that happen um, by supporting, you know, the, the SDs and some of the partners that have some of these events continue to do that, but also at the macro, you know, working on the big challenges because we have to move the needle in a big way. How do we leverage the full breadth of the power of sports globally? And how do we partner with other organizations maybe outside the U.S. that are doing something similar and work together across that bridge to make the movement happen faster? Yeah, I think everyone working in, in any capacity around sustainability knows how critical the next decade is. And so I think this element of collaboration and figuring out how to work together to get more done is what we need in order to, to save our future. So that's great to hear that there's plans to build on the last 10 years and to really look at how to leverage impact even further. No, right. I'm just glad you're on board. I'm just glad you're on board to help, help craft that and make that happen. So There you go. So the final two questions is two, are two that we ask all of our guests to get answers across a variety of, of industries. So the first is, what do you see are the biggest sustainability challenges or one specific challenges that we have to take on immediately looking at 2020? Yeah, I, I think 2020, um, the biggest challenge, I think, is alignment and metrics. 
you know, how do we know we're making progress and what can we buy into across our membership base? Because they're all at different levels. And I think, um, you know, especially for the sports entities, maybe unlike um, some of the corporate entities where you have a board and you have ESG and you have some of that governance that kind of can dictate some of the metrics um, that you need through CDP and, you know, other platforms or other frameworks or the measurement uh, systems. I think we need to kind of employ something similar. Um, I'm trying to figure that out and how we can do that is, a, is probably a big focus for us in, in 2020. Yeah, metrics is always a challenge. And I think we hear that across a lot of different groups. And then the final question is what you see as one of the biggest challenges that you're facing or that your team is facing day to day in sustainability work. Yeah, I think it's uh, focus and impact, you know, and so there's so many calls you get and so many opportunities to work on this and work on that and partner with this. So it's really getting to the point where we have, you know, ability to filter uh, and focus on what's going to have the biggest impact uh, and then being able to stick to that to that plan and, and drive that impact so it's significant. Um, and yeah, you're going to change here and there. You're going to have some different, you know, challenges, crisis, and, you know, change. Um, in fact, one note that I would like to call out is we had an executive, um, actually he was our director of partnerships and, you know, got this unbelievable job at Nike, you know, to be Eric Disler is his name and to lead their future of sport, which we think is absolutely fabulous. But at the same time, it kind of put the, put us in a tough situation because now, you know, we had to figure out how to, you know, replace, you know, those big shoes and, um, and we have done so with bringing you on. <laughs> so, so, but that, that's the day to day is building the team, keeping the team focused and then making impact um, is, is the biggest challenge. Well, thank you for all of your insight throughout this interview. I want to give you a chance if there's anything else you want to share with the audience, anything we, we didn't touch on that you'd like to leave them with. No, I, I just like to challenge the audience as they're listening to, you know, um, challenge us, engage with us, you know, come to the summit, you know, come to the symposiums and let us know how we can be more effective. Um, we're, we're open to criticism. We're, we're not perfect, um, but we, we, we have a vision and mission that we believe in and we're looking forward to, to collaborating and, and, and making it happen. So thank you for the time today. Learn more about the Alliance by visiting greensportsalliance.org. Listen to the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, February 21st. We'll be joined by Sarah Thunberg, CEO and co-founder of Geospiza. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu slash MBA.